we'll put that real quick. It's just cadals. What's golly, Hunter? You've been on it. Mm-hmm. That's ah. two in a row now that I've had to stop my thought process <laughs> and remark on how dope those beeps were. I've been working on it, man. That's a good job. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number fifty-nine. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. Joining me today, it's Hunter Close Shave Dorset. Ah, oh, man, I wish. My, you my, wish. My facial hair is so whack. Yeah, but you love growing it. It's bunkalicious, is what it is. That's a new word I've never heard before. I'm gonna shave it all off. I thought the whole your whole thing has been I like the facial hair now. No, I I do. I mean, I like trying for facial hair, uh-huh. but it's just not coming in the way I want it to, man. That's that's you, the story of my life. You as gotta well. accept your defeats, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right now we have to we're we're just gambling on thirty five. Yeah. By mm-hmm. thirty five, maybe we have cool beards. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, they're gonna like if even if we are thirty five, and that's when we first get beards, it's still gonna feel just as sweet yeah. as it would have. I mean, it'd be nice to have them now. But right now I'm waving the white flag. Yeah, I mm-hmm. understand that. <laughs> Hunter, this usually doesn't happen with Witty Banter because our news stories are not like super topical in the moment. Okay. But last week we talked about Radiohead mm-hmm. and then that weekend they just stealth dropped the release of their new album. Yeah, we literally talked about it the night before that they they put it out. Yeah. And then everybody apparently knew that, that they were going to put it out on that day. I had no idea. Did you know idea. that? No. Yeah. Apparently a lot of people were in the know that they were going to drop it on that, I think it was a Sunday, maybe. Sunday or Saturday night and, or something. Uh, yeah. And so we talked about it the night before and we're like, oh yeah, speculatively, they might drop an album. Yeah. So we seemed pretty out of it. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of cool. Well, coinc- we're here to you know, make it all right. So kind of I think later in the uh, second half of the show, we're going to be talking about that album because, you know, obviously we're big Radiohead fans. So mm-hmm. it goes without saying that we're going to speak about it. Absolutely. But before we get there, how was your weekend, man? It was pretty good. I got to go to a brewery with uh, the lady friend. Nice. Uh, and we got to go. It was Carbach Brewery, and that was a really cool experience. Yeah, they've had great beers. Yeah. And then we, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I just had a band practice, drove up to Austin for today to be efficient and do some, <laughs> uh, you know, do some music work and then also lay this this podcast down. Dude, I got to feed baby goats. <laughs> that sounds shoot, like a dream for you. And shoot guns. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay, yeah. You went out to the uh, yeah. to David's place. Yeah, right? it was freaking sweet. Cool. It turns out I'm a much better shot than I ever knew. Oh wow. Yeah, Prod- like I, prodigy chase. I think so. Okay. What did what did uh, David's dad? The first clip I went through, he goes, "Well, looks like we got a dead eyed dick over here." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh no, a dead eyed." I gotta dick. live up to it now. Okay. That was a lot of fun though. No, we fed these baby goats, and like these little fuckers, every time you walk up to the fence, they think they're they're about to be fed, and mm. they just start screaming. At you just making <laughs> like human noise, like screaming. hilarious, <laughs> yeah, just outrageous noises. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Got you. Witty Banter is a show where we review beers, and the beer today is one that comes from the land of the rising sun. <laughs> it's a, and I think the brewery is Baird, right? It's Baird Brewery, Baird yeah. Brewery, and it's a Japanese. I mean, I think the title of the beer is just Baird Beer. It's actually, it's actually called the Wabi Sabi Pale Ale. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and so I, I went out and I did some. Uh, we're gonna take a new direction as for for me for the uh, beer reviews. I've been really unsatisfied with my contributions to the beer reviews. Yeah. So what does that mean for the show? So for the show, that means I'm gonna do a l- just the slightest bit of research beforehand, and that way we can have a little bit more of objectivity with maybe what the brewery says about their own beer or what other people have to say about it. So that way we're not. I'm not just giving you a yeah, it's a straightforward, and uh, I like it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I want to give it a little bit, flush it out a little bit more than this. So yeah, this, that'll, that'll be cool because we can measure our experience against what they say, I guess. Right. We can have a 
little bit more credibility. Uh, so I went online, I went to their website, and what they had to say about the Wabi Sabi Pale Ale is that it is a uniquely Japanese and hybrid version of the craft beer world's two most popular types, Pale Ale and IPA. Local Japanese wasabi and green tea are combined deftly with several varieties of herbal character hops. The flavor is bold yet underpinned by a quiet simplicity and subdued refinement. It sounds like the Japanese culture. I was about to say, man. It sounds like they <laughs> hired a fucking professional writer to write yeah. that up. Damn. So, uh, so yeah, I guess with the wabi-sabi, we're expecting you know some of that green tea and wasabi tastes, but... The way that they are describing it, it makes me think that they're not just going to make this like a, a over flavor beer where you can't even recognize it's a beer anymore. Yeah, they are going to try and make this like I guess it's referred to as a Japanese pale ale. Yeah, it's not like an American pale ale. So you got a Japanese pale ale in the house, and uh, yeah, there's there is some comments on you know the variety of hoppiness or hops that are used in order to brew this. So uh, have you gotten to smell or taste it, Chase? Yeah, I've actually taken um, a sniff and a, and a taste. So okay. the sniff for me, I didn't really get much. I, th- I guess maybe a hint of that green tea, but I just smelled mostly just like kind of malt, just a lighter malty smell, much like I guess you would expect from a pale ale. Um, when I went to taste it, though, it's like instead of hoppiness balancing out that malt, it's almost like the the aftertaste is where the green tea and some of that wasabi type flavor comes in. And when yeah. it, when I say wasabi, it doesn't really taste like spicy, the like. green sushi wasabi that yeah. you come to expect in like an H-E-B, you know. But it's like it's balanced against instead of bitterness. I mean, there's some bitterness there just because there's hops in the beer, um, but nothing that you can really like feel distinctly. Um, but yeah, my first taste was like, okay, malt. And then at the tail end was almost like this high, like a high note. Like, uh, I don't know how to explain it when I say high, but like, uh, not piercing, but cutting through all that was some, gr- some of that green tea and yeah. wasabi taste. I definitely nice. get more of the green tea than the wasabi. And it is in the latter half of the taste for me. Uh, but it's nice. I mean, I think that it's, it, it makes it seem a little bit. It rounds it out in a way where it's kind of sweet and light. It makes it makes it not seem like a. It's not like a, a pungent taste. It kind of is just kind of like a nice rounding off uh, yeah. of lightness with the green tea there. I don't I actually don't get a whole lot of wasabi with this. Which yeah, I'm waiting to see if that like it's comes called the wasabi sabi beer. I thought it was just gonna be like <clears throat> oh <Yeah>. man, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm digging this beer. It's kind of it feels complex. Yeah, you know, and but it, but it's super easy to drink. Like it's like it's it's like a subtle complexity, you know. I think this will be a good one to watch as it opens up. And uh, I mean, as far as like the mouth feel, it seems kind of. I mean, we've used this a lot, but it seems sprightly. Like, yeah, seems kind of light, and uh-huh. uh, it doesn't. It it doesn't. Uh, Maybe instead of sprightly, we call it enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, vibrant. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I'm, I'm digging it so far. We can. I guess we could leave it there and, and wait for. Wait for it to open up a little bit more. All right, man. That works for me. I guess that means it's time to get to the news. Are you ready for some news? Ah, I'm always ready, and I'm always Freddy. Okay. Well, this is Witty Banter. All right, Hunter. We got like... I'm glad we can still make ourselves laugh yeah. doing the beeps. It's because we're, okay. we're children. You okay. might as well just jangle keys in front of our face. Okay. We got several... Uh, we, got a, we got a couple lighthearted news stories, and then some that are kind of more meaty, but mostly lighthearted today. The first one, Glenn Danzig reunites with the Misfits. After more than three decades, Danzig and Jerry only are back together for this year's Riot Fest. 
Glenn Danzig hasn't been a member of the Misfits since their initial breakup in 1983. After a legal battle, bassist Jerry Only gained the rights to record and tour under the Misfits name starting in the 1990s, and Danzig went off to find success success with his eponymous band Danzig. Mm-hmm. Misfits and Danzig have been active separately for years now. Um, it hasn't been a particularly amicable divide either. You know, the two sides like hate each other kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now in a reunion that's arguably more unexpected than Axl Rose getting back together with Slash, Danzig has rejoined the Misfits. He'll share the stage with Jerry Only and longtime guitarist Doyle Wolfgang von, von Frankenstein <laughs> billed as quote unquote the original Misfits for the first time since 1983. Gosh, that's cool, that's man. Exciting, right? You and 33 I am, years. Yeah. You and I are Misfits fans, so I thought it would be cool to bring that up because like, you know, after uh, Danzig left the band, the Misfits continued to make music mm-hmm. and uh, like Max and I have listened to some Misfits albums after Danzig and like it's still good music, but yeah. it's not the Misfits. Right. If that I makes mean, any sense. so much of what makes the Misfits awesome was that singing, was that dark Elvis feel, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Did so they, did they try and with the, with the other singer that they had, did they try and like replicate that or was it just completely different? No, it sounds just more of like more streamlined hard rock punk, I guess it's like upbeat rock music in mm. a way. Like, um, the song "Dig Up Her Bones" and there's one other one that their that their more famous singles are off of that. But it sounds like you it, w- it sounds like a song you would hear in a uh, like Tony Hawk uh, pro skater okay. soundtrack. You okay. know, like, yeah, okay, it's good. It's just different, right? Yeah, but this is exciting. This, I mean, yeah, this I makes wonder me, where this came from. I don't know, money probably. You know, like, but I mean, the, it just seems like Danzig is one of those guys that's so prideful. That horrifically and, prideful. Yeah, and so into himself that he would have taken this to the grave with him. That's you how know. bad he needs the money. Yeah, I guess maybe. <laughs> maybe his uh, his own solo career didn't really work out as, as much as he thought it might. Yeah, I mean, it just gets me stoked because maybe they find like a big crowd at this riot fest and they continue to do some tour because if if, if i got to see the misfits with danzig yeah, how you know, amazing would that would be incredible i wonder if his, he's still got the pipes oh I, apparently he does i mean he still tours and like he i think he still does misfit songs and stuff yeah that's cool though i mean dude speaking of doyle i uh-huh. mean i saw i saw like a thing for him like and I was like, oh wait, are the Misfits getting mad? That's weird. It's weird that you brought this up because I saw like a poster for a concert with just Doyle as like I guess the guy. Yeah. So I mean I don't know if that guy was like doing his own thing, but uh, but yeah, it, it would be amazing to to capture that like yeah we got to see the original the original yeah. one yeah dude it would be so cool. Anyway, so yeah, mm-hmm. we'll have to watch out for that. But I thought that was cool. So here's another sort of lighthearted one. Um, okay. President Barack Obama praises Finland's metal culture. <laughs> We got a music-heavy sode. We do. So Obama held a summit, and this is a really short news story, with the presidents of Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden in attendance while speaking to Finnish President Sally Nanisto. Obama commented on the country's heavy metal culture, saying, quote, I do want to point out that Finland has perhaps the most heavy metal bands in the world per capita and also ranks on high good governments. I don't know if there's any correlation there, end quote. <laughs> what? Wow, that's crazy. Obama's a cool dude. Dude, he's he's so hip now. Yeah, he's, he's always been hip. He's always been hip, but he's really letting it show. He re- I mean, yeah, it's the last year. His swag is through the roof it's right now. It's senior year for him. You I know, know he's, man. He he's got that senioritis. <laughs> I love it though. I like I would I that makes me happy that you you can have a guy who's in office that's not just miserable the whole time. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean but it the, gives me hope for my life. Yeah, thank, thank you, Obama. <laughs> All right, so this next one. 
Let me get rid of the ad here because the internet sucks. Oh, we love ads. Amazon launches YouTube-like video service. Amazon.com Incorporated is intensifying its rivalry with Alphabet Inc.'s Google with a new ad-supported video service that resembles YouTube by letting anyone upload clips. As of Tuesday, Amazon account holders can upload original or their own licensed videos to the Video Direct service, the Seattle-based online retailer said. Such users can designate whether their videos are free to everyone, available to rent or own, offered through its subscription channel, or behind Amazon's $99 a year prime paywall. The new service broadens Amazon's effort to transform itself from a dominant retailer to a multi multimedia powerhouse, which now offers big screen movies and television series from the likes of Woody Allen. Hmm. Yep. Wanted to hear what you thought about that. Because so they're just going to become a video streaming kind of thing? Or yeah. not streaming, but I mean... You can upload your own clips. And yeah. then they give you a variety of options on how to monetize it if you even want to, which I think, which is a, is a like a way that they're differentiating themselves from YouTube. Yeah. Right? It's almost like a business savvy it's, thing. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I mean, cause we've, we've had Amazon in our show for yeah, years several, now, several like, times. you know, at first they, they acquired Twitch for mm. almost a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, and Google tried to acquire Twitch, remember, but they weren't allowed to. And now Google has its own, uh, it, YouTube gaming is its own thing where you can live stream games. And honestly, it really hasn't packed the punch that I thought it would. Like uh, they launched it a year ago and it's just really not in the mind share of the general gaming public. I you feel mean like the YouTube gaming thing. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, it, I mean, Twitch just has such a standard that it already set, right? Yeah. I, but it's interesting that so much of their core audience stayed with them and continues to support them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 Well, but, I guess it, it, it makes sense that, you know, if they got into the Twitch thing first and they bought out Twitch that they're now moving to more sort of like a regular YouTube service. They're almost doing the opposite of what YouTube did. Sure. Um, but this is cool. I mean, especially if they, if they really sort of streamline the effort for you to be able to monetize uh, your videos, it'll allow people to be a lot more proactive and, and independent in making their videos and monetizing it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't it surprise me though. I mean, Amazon is becoming a Google of sorts, you know, they're getting their hands in everything, right? It so. sort of surprises me in the fact that like when I think of Alphabet and I think of Google, I just think of these behemoth type almost institutions now. And I don't know what Alphabet is. Alphabet's what is that? the parent company of Google. And uh, I don't know much what? about them. I thought Google was the parent I company. I know, and that's what freaks me the fuck out yeah, about who Alphabet. Are those guys? Exactly. <laughs> Dude. You want to talk about dudes turning knobs. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Those yeah. guys, yeah. Okay. Um no, but it's just crazy to me that like, okay, Amazon has enough gusto now that they're like, we're going to like, I mean, YouTube is such a standard, mm -hmm. you know, it is everything like, yeah, there's Vimeo or whatever, but I don't feel like most people aren't really using that. And Amazon's like, we're going to fucking go after these guys. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not infallible. Yeah. And, and I mean, YouTube was such a critical part of the internet becoming what it is today. Seriously. But it, you can, you can imagine competitors like Amazon being like, I think they're stagnant. You know, we might be able to actually do it in a different and better way. Uh, even though that they have established such a standard and that they are so like, you know, interwoven into the culture of, and of I would like video. to see some competition because I, you know, I follow a lot of people 
I, w- I watch a ton of YouTube now because I don't have cable mm-hmm. and there's a lot of just like content creators out there who I try to support and you get all of their shows through YouTube. Yeah. And there's tons of things where like, there's like this content ID system that YouTube uses that gives a lot of people headaches when it comes to copyrighted material. Ugh. And, and it would be awesome to see if Amazon could come in and, and like say, okay, what, are, what is Amazon doing wrong? And how can we just from the get go make this a better service for people who want to use it? And this whole like monetization thing where you can choose to have your video be free or you can choose to only let people with prime use it Ooh. is like a lot. It's, it's just like a toolkit for people to, to kind right. of go out and show their stuff with. Yeah. I'm wondering how, how else maybe they're thinking about differentiating outside of the whole payment system thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, because you know, one thing that's interesting is in a prior show, we discussed a news article about YouTube making people pay for any sort of advertisement that's in their in their program, right? If we have a bottle of this beer, oh yeah, we have to right. pay for that at some yeah. point, right? So hopefully, maybe if that was sort of a negative trend, maybe Amazon would capitalize and do something in the other direction. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you're right. We're watching Amazon, and they in this article they called themselves a, or they called Amazon a multimedia powerhouse, and that's kind of becoming true because they own Twitch now. Um, they have their own series, like exclusive series through Hulu. Um, and things like that. Through it. And you then stream music. they bought Double Helix, which was the video game developer who made Killer Instinct. That was a new story we did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you were really watching them kind of like ratchet up their portfolio in ways that are completely outside of just mm-hmm. ordering toilet paper. Yeah. You, know? mm-hmm. you wonder if there's going to be any mudslinging, you know, between the two services. And because I haven't really seen a whole lot of like anti Amazon kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be down. I'm I'm down to see how, how that unfolds and if they'll be able to grab market share from YouTube. Sure. You know, and I'm open to stir the pot, stir the pot, man, just stir the pot. Fuck the status quo. All right. This next one, this, this news story is actually several weeks old, but I figured uh, we can still talk about it because it's kind of a monolithic news story. Apple revenue falls for the first time since 2003. Apple reported a 13% drop in its second quarter revenue um, back on April 27th as sales of iPhones slipped. The technology giant reported quarterly sales of $50.56 billion, down from $58 billion last year, the first fall in sales for the company since 2003. Apple sold 51.2 million iPhones during the quarter, down from 61.2 million in the same quarter of 2015. Okay. China was a particular weak spot. Sales there fell 26%. Results were also hit by the impact of the stronger dollar. Um, Apple's chief executive, Tim Cook, said the company performed well, quote, in the face of strong macroeconomic headwinds, end quote. Uh, so yeah, there's, you know, there's some more like minute and granular details in this news article, but I just kind of want to stop there. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Tim Cook is saying the reason why this downturn happened was because of like the way that the markets are looking. Uh-huh. But at the same time, they just put out the Apple watch and it also says in this news story that iPhone sales went down 10 million hmm. and that's kind of unprecedented. You know, like every iPhone is since iPhones have been coming out has just sold more and more and more. And we're like a couple years now under Tim Cook's, you know, Apple. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems like the trend is is going down. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate too hard about it. I think they're still doing pretty awesome. They're still having pretty awesome results still. I just wonder if if 
this market decline is felt in other phone companies, maybe like Samsung, if they had also a similar decline, because then then you could maybe attribute that more to like the market stuff. Yeah, you wonder if maybe if phone if the phone market's actually growing and they're falling, mm-hmm. then it's like okay, you're in bad shit. But right. if everyone's slowing down, mm-hmm. then and and also, I mean, there is. I think what made Apple so awesome in the first place was just how, uh, as far as it exploding the way that it did, especially with the iPhone, was just like the freshness that it seemed that they brought to a lot of their products. But it is starting to get a little stagnant as far as like, I'm wondering how many iterations of the iPhone can they really throw down before before they start going downward as well, far yeah. as people I, being fed up with and that. And I feel like with the iPhone, they kind of have no choice to continue iterating on it because, look, like, it's an, it's an amazing product, and it's a product that, like, changed the way people communicate across the globe. Yes. But now that it's a standard, it's like they can't just try to revolutionize for the sake of revo- revolutionizing, but mm. to me, it's like keep the iPhone and, you know, keep iterating, make, it, make each one better, but they're going to have to, I guess, come out with just a new product completely to do what they did with the iPhone. And it seems to me like that product is going to be the, the car that they're making project Titan. So, okay. So it is officially a project. Yeah. Okay. I haven't really heard much about this car thing. Yeah. So I think the watch isn't doing it. The watch is not doing it. (laughs) I think last spring there was a news story that like Elon Musk had said, Apple was trying to poach, um, engineers from, uh, Tesla. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the fact that we know the name is Project Titan came from just you know rumors and people who are working on it and such. So yeah, yeah. and I and fuck, I, th- I think we even read a news story. It was like expect the car uh, to be unveiled in like 2017 or 2018. Wow, I think it's coming relatively soon. You Jeez, know, man, and. The fact that Apple's working on a car, that's the kind of crazy shit that yeah. it's like. Okay, well then let's see what happens with this. Yeah, you know? I think that will be that will be a very interesting sort of shift. And maybe how that company is even perceived anymore. Um, and plus, I mean, it's interesting that they feel the need to poach from Tesla, especially since so much of Tesla's designs, as far as like the engineering and stuff, they pretty much made open source. Like they made available to everyone. Like this is how our car works, you yeah. know. So, um, but see, I've always kind of wondered what exactly was the calculus behind that because it kind of sounds like it when you first hear it it's like this company is so awesome that they want everyone to embrace this technology that they're giving it away Mm -hmm. i kind of wonder if it's more like look we're gonna put all of our shit out there Mm -hmm. and if you are an engineer who wants to look at it and say i can do it better then you're gonna come to me and you're gonna tell me that you can do it better and then i'm gonna hire you yeah it's almost like outsourcing without really pursuing it sure you know so, but, but yeah, I think that's a, it's an interesting news story. Uh, before we end it, I want to get just your overall opinion of the Apple watch now that it's been several, uh, okay. several months since it's, it's, since it's released. Cause it, it still seems to me like it's this completely novel, unnecessarily unnecessary piece of technology. And right. I think, I wish I had the news story, but even Apple executives have kind of talked about how the product is languishing because it's like, you can't really do much with it. It's you get this tiny little screen mm-hmm. and it's basically, it's the first thing that has to be tethered to something else. It has yeah. to be tethered to your iPhone. Mm-hmm. And it's only becomes this supplemental experience to something you already have. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I know people that have the, the Apple iWatch. Is it the iWatch? I think so. Okay. So I know people that have the Apple watch and, I think that most people are pretty satisfied with it when they take the time to really kind of get it ingrained in their whole 
daily system. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just don't think I don't think it really adds as much value as you're probably paying for it. And I think that you can easily substitute the Apple Watch with so many other things. Garmin has something for like a wristband that's very similar and you can get text messages and you know I mean the, really what you're going to do is it's going to be a tool that you can use like if you're in a meeting and somebody tries to contact you then you can just kind of look at your watch and well, it's just fuck, sleek. I tell you what one of my one of my people I work with used to have a smart watch and whenever that thing would buzz when we were in a meeting, I wanted to shoot myself. Yeah. You know, I was like, get this, this is a fucking distraction. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that it was, it, it was an unfortunate thing. It seemed almost like they had just like too much of a, we're going to do this because this is the next step. It seemed like, it seemed like they didn't really think it completely through as far as like, oh yeah, this this watch will be successful because of these things. It just seemed kind of like they were like, we can do this. We need a product. So we're, yeah, we're going to do it. Exactly. You know, and, and same way that Google Glass was. Like, I I think that's also super lame. So I, I, I don't, I don't, dog them on the innovation or trying to do it, but it definitely is not, in my opinion, something that I'm going to invest in. So that's, I mean, that's how I would, <laughs> that's how I would go ahead and give that grade. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so this last news story is about the Hyperloop. Yes, dude. Okay. I think I saw something about testing. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. So on Wednesday, which was a week ago, Hyperloop One showed off its propulsion system during an open air test just just outside Las Vegas. The propulsion system shot a metal sled along a short track at 2.4 G-forces, the rough equivalent of accelerating from zero to 53 miles per hour in a second. Hyperloop One is one... Hyper, yeah, that's an odd sentence. <laughs> Hyperloop One is one company trying to bring life to the futuristic transportation idea of Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, which was first detailed in 2013. Here's how the company envisions a Hyperloop will work. A series of tubes will connect metropolitan air- areas. Anywhere from 10 to 30 passengers will load into a pod located inside a given tube. The tube is depressurized as it is close to a perfect vacuum as possible, eliminating most air resistance. Using the power of magnets... The power of magnets. I love it. <laughs> the pods will reach speeds of up to 700 miles per hour. God. So it just looks like this thing is finally, it's it's being tested. Okay. You know, Where'd you get that article again? I literally just, um, see it, CNET. Okay. CNET.com. Cool. Uh, yeah, dude, this is the kind of shit I'm, I'm just getting super, I don't want to say disenfranchised, but the way we travel right now, it's almost like it's. It's like, why do we, why do we travel the way we travel? It's you like know? very liquid. It's like, we don't, it seems there is a growing uh, desire to change the way we travel right now. I mean, not only with just the fact with how much pollution we've had in the past with all the, 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 the infrastructure of cars that we've had in the past and the road system. But yeah, I mean, we're trying, we're, we're like, okay, we are becoming extremely sophisticated with the technology that we have. Why are we still in the, in the, in the dark ages of, of automobiles? So yeah, there's definitely a push there. It's just so crazy too, because with technology like this, the world becomes smaller. Oh yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. we could hop into a pod and be up in Dallas in like 30 minutes. That w- and dude, this would just make my life so much easier. If I could just do this and go from Austin to Houston in like 45 minutes. Yeah. Imagine how, I mean, I would just, I would be here and gone within two hours. Yeah. I mean, you know? and that's the kind of like, and that just increases. And I, I don't want to sound like a flinty eyed 
economists, but like that increases productivity that allows people when you can connect that that much quicker and work that much better. Like, I just feel like the cascading effects of that are going to be massive, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you you and I both spent time in Europe and the ease of transportation there. So cool. Though it was kind of slow. Like it was just amazing that with the purchase of a ticket and a two hour ride somewhere, you were across you were in a different country. Yeah, going to multiple countries. Yeah, and and it's just it, it it sort of amazes me that we haven't had we haven't established that in more places in America. I mean, because it is sort of like shoddy in a lot of the European places, but it still works. It still yeah. is like better than what we have in a lot of American places. Sure. So um, this would be awesome. I want the hyperloop to be done as quickly as possible, <laughs> but I do want it to be safe, man. I I don't I don't know how. I know the testing and making sure that functionally it does what it's supposed to do is going to be, you know, the largest effort right now, but it'll be interesting to see sort of what regulations are put around it. And I'm just interested to see what kind of like psychological effects being in a tube like that traveling at those speeds might have like the claustrophobia that you might get, you know, granted there's already underground trains that kind of feel claustrophobic, but I think it'll be the same thing as kind of what a plane is. I mean, when you're in a plane, you're going 600 miles an hour, but you you have windows and shit, you know, Yeah, but I mean, you don't really notice how fast you're going. It's not for me. It's not about the speed. It's more about like the enclosed space. You know what I mean? And if you're underground in this tube and if you got stuck somewhere, it's just freaky. You yeah. Know? It's just, well, there is definitely, it's like a higher risk as far as like what could go wrong. Uh-huh. I would imagine, especially going at such high speeds. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think going back to what we talked about, if not last episode, the episode before where we were talking about how, what you do is so much defined on how you're going to get there. Yeah. Um, this will definitely change the game as far as how people choose to spend their time because they'll be able to get to places so much quicker and they won't have to worry about the getting from A to B that they'll just worry about B, you know, totally (laughs) getting there and doing what you want to do. So I'm hoping that I just hope that this is one of those things that like is delightfully quicker than we're projecting it to be, even though it will take a lot of infrastructural work to get this like on a basis to where we can go across the country, go from Houston to LA or Houston to Brooklyn or Houston. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's it's more than just being like, Oh, we have a hyperloop from this city to this city. Like mm-hmm. that would be cool, but I want a network of hyperloops, yeah. you know, I want to get that's, across the country. That's where it gets, that's where it gets to be like, okay, this is totally exactly what we envisioned it to be. So yeah. hopefully that, hopefully that's not, you know, 2030 before that comes across. I so. know. I would fucking act. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the news items we have. So let's go ahead and in the news segment there, take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. Sounds good. If you want to follow the show, once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at witty banter show. Also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash witty banner podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the second like Christmas song that's come on today, just as an anime. Really? Yeah, okay. It's kind of some weird shit going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're back, which means it's time to take a look at the beer again. Hunter, what are you, what are you thinking about the, uh, Wabi Sabi 
Baird beer. <laughs> Wabi Sabi Japanese Pale Ale. Yes. Uh, so, as it's opened up a little bit, I feel like that green tea aftertaste is a little bit more present. Um, we were noting off off the mic that the the beer that like when Chase poured his beer, which I actually pretty much borrowed his because his was cold and I wanted to get a cold take on. And I'm it. a sharing kind of guy. Yeah, he's I'm gonna a generous help a brother out. Mofo. Mm-hmm. So he poured his up first, and then I poured it up, and his looks a lot different there's a lot more sediment in his there's a lot more of dude a, it's straight fucking cloudy yeah it's it cloudy, looks like wart and it's know? like yeah it does and the top is uh, the top is a lot lighter than the bottom is you got like a brownness to the bottom whereas it, like it doesn't look like the beer should look whereas mine even so what i got from his beer and then even what i poured from my own bottle it's much less filtered it, or it's much more filtered, so you can see through it a little bit easier, and it's not you don't have any of the brown stuff. Ultimately, there was just a ton of sediment in my beer, and now it's all in my glass. Yeah, so how do you feel? What is your general sentiment about sort of having the sediment in your beer? What do, you, what do you think about that? I don't know if it was like just a mistake to get it in the bottle. Cause I know like when you homebrew and you don't have like a good filtration system, you kind of have to deal with sediment being at the bottom of your bottles. And so they, you know, you got to be careful not to pour it into your beer. And if, and it looks like I kind of looked at the bottom of your bottle. It looks like there's a lot of shit floating around in yours as well. And if that's the case, like I feel like there needs to be something on the bottle telling me to be careful because I poured all that stuff in there and it's not an exactly attractive look Hmm. For the beer in the glass, you yeah. know, you're looking at the bottle right now. Does it say anything? Yeah. So I, I think as a brewery, they're they're establishing this on the on the bottle. It says Baird beer is unfiltered, refermented in the bottle, and naturally carbonated. Okay. Oh, so they bought they bottle ferment their beers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's just it, a style choice. Yeah. And uh, I also forgot to add that this is six percent alcohol by volume. But bing. And uh, it's from Shuzinji, Japan. Hey, that sounded pretty good. Cool. I'll I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there are totally a lot of people that are like, "Screw you, shaking Hunter, their heads. Shut up." Okay, but, well that's interesting. I don't think we've really had a beer that's uh, positioned itself as being bottle fermented before. Yeah, I agree. And especially like from a whole brewery standpoint, it's interesting that that's like that's kind of the methodology that they use. So yeah, when it comes to talking about the taste, though, they're um. This just tastes like a really good pale ale. You know, when, okay. we think, when we think pale ale style, you think just um, it's more of like a malty beer, like all mm-hmm. those malt characteristics that are kind of almost sweet come forward first. And I, I it smells super malty to me. It smells kind of sweet. Um, okay. It's not like a very bitter beer. It's not over going to be overpowered with hops or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of how I feel with this one. Now, that aftertaste is where I sort of get all of the characteristics that it pins itself on having, like the green tea and wasabi just, I'm not getting any wasabi. I'm not either, man. I was going to ask. I was thinking maybe, like, do you get any ginger? Because mm. I feel like I'm getting a tad bit of maybe ginger type. And maybe it's not actually ginger, but that's the flavor that I'm like okay. reaching for, you know? I think I do get this sweetness, but I think it's also, I think it's kind of like a Pavlovian dog thing where because I have green tea, there's like this almost honey taste like a sweetness that is attached to it that i don't think that's a part of the beer i think that's just because i drink green tea and with honey in it yeah yeah that's okay well you know but uh but i agree i mean it is sort of 
it's more it's more of a straightforward parallel than I was originally going to to. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like a flavor adventure. Yeah, I really, I mean, we really, I think when we got this from witchcraft, mm-hmm. we thought it was going to be kind of like one of those out there. Yeah. It was going to be a lot more volatile of, the, of a taste, but yeah, it is a lot more, um, approachable maybe than I originally thought it might be. And I do, I, I like that. It's almost like it replaces while, while it does, you know, it has some hoppy characteristics. I, it almost like replaces what you might originally think a pale ale having, you know, a little bitterness or a little hoppiness, it almost replaces that with the green tea. Yeah. Uh, and that end of the aftertaste or whatever. So I agree. I like it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm excited to kind of drink it for a little bit longer and then put some numbers on it because it's definitely different. Yeah. You know? This will be an interesting one to see our numbers where we're at. Totally. All right. So let's go ahead and move into our segment. We are going to go ahead and do a musical mastery. Yeah. You got to put a little extra there for the <laughs> girl. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hunter. We talked about that the Radiohead album dropped. You and I are massive Radiohead fans, so mm-hmm. I figured we could talk about it a little bit. Now, here's the deal. I don't know how much you've gotten to listen to it. I've only listened to it once. And I don't want to I don't want to get too lost in the in the nitty-gritty of the conversation. I think you and I could do that, but maybe it's best to do that uh, like off the show and instead like Yeah, I'd like to keep it as objective as as possible and as light as possible. Yeah. yeah, but let's go ahead and go. Th- I'll give I'll give my first impressions, and then I want to hear your impressions. But I also want to just talk about how you handle an occasion like this, okay? Um, like okay. an album like this dropping. So cool. I want to go ahead and go first because I think you're gonna have more to say. <laughs> okay. Um, so I listened to this album. Just I I got into a hammock and I put my headphones. <laughs> Literally. Put, yeah, okay, okay. I put my headphones on, uh, closed my eyes, turned up the music, and just listened to it all the way through. And Radiohead, like it was just just a wall of sound. Okay, the way I felt about it, and like there was just a sense. I would describe this album first impression as as like scary. This album mm. was like really haunting. Like I think this, there's haunting. This yeah. album, it's a like, great word for free, it. like it gave me anxiety. Like mm-hmm. the lyrics made me incredibly anxious. And like honestly, it wasn't what I needed from music <laughs> at this point in time <laughs> in my life. You know, like dang it, Radiohead. Well, no, what I'm saying is like. I, I've been talking to my friends, you know, like Ahmed and stuff about just like existential angst, you know, recently. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this band always plays into that Mm -hmm. and they do it so well that like this, this album really put me off and it was very off putting and it, it did freak me out. And like, they are able to defy stereotypical songwriting in such a way that like, Every song, whether it was transitioning into like the the last two minutes or it was just like a mid song change, like none of these songs are written in traditional form. It's you not know? like your A B you A D. You don't yeah, get yeah. any of that. Yeah. It just sort of moves in its own way, and like next thing you know, the song changed, and you're like, okay, well that was that mm. last one, and I don't even really have anything to grab onto. All I know is that I heard music, right? And it was just <laughs> incredible to me how how many things are cascading on top of each other mm-hmm. flowing in and out into your like focus and mm-hmm. how like almost every noise and song and click and just tiny little just nuance 
almost seemed to not start or end. It was just there out of nowhere. Yeah, flowing in and out. You know, and the way that the way, like one of the terminologies that I had never really heard for it, but I thought was very well it described, especially this album was on iTunes, uh, like the official sort of review for it, it says shape shifting rock. Which is cool because it makes it, it's true. It's like you go through an entire song and you're like, I I don't really like call out super specific transitions and yep. stuff, but it I went to a different spot, you yeah. Know? And so yeah, that's it's cool. I mean, I, I feel like whenever you say a wall of sound, a lot of time, I mean, that could be a lot of different things. The thing, the thing for me was that I was surprised at the lack of just like sheer intensity i mean for me while it was while it was very uh there is a lot of stuff going on and they're able to fit a lot into those headphones it still is kind of light and floaty for the most part it doesn't seem like they're trying too hard i don't know man i would i would tend to disagree with you a little bit because i felt like some of the more like in in especially like the bass register uh with their more uh like digital type sounds mm-hmm. like things would just come and be like these big bassy noises out of nowhere and like just totally grab me. Yeah. And that's, I've, I don't know if maybe that's the intensity you're just, you're just maybe, I'm, maybe I'm referring more to like Tom York's vocals. Yeah. No. Cause like he's not like, ah, he's not going hard for no, it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just kind of more falsetto stuff. And you wonder how much of that is just because he's getting older and like, he's not going to be like rock star Tom York. Anymore. I don't know. I think that's probably all artistic choice. Yeah, I yeah. think he probably could still do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the way I kind of pinned this album feeling to me, it was almost a li- it's, it was almost like if you combined the the mood and feel of like Amnesiac with the King of Limbs, mm-hmm. and what, the way I mean what I mean by that is like the King of Limbs was there was so much happening, and I think a song like Little by Little is a perfect example where mm-hmm. there's like so many things to latch onto, just like there is kind of an always in Radiohead, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's just so much in there. But then you've got these like just dark. It just made me feel so so dark and like heavy and that's the kind of attitude and feelings that I get from like amnesiac or hail to the thief and it combines them in a way that like you know the very first song on the album burn the witch uh, what he, a line he repeats a couple of times is this is a low flying panic attack yeah and I felt like that was the album yeah that was like the label for yeah. the feel of the album the album yeah. totally made me feel incredibly anxious and like filled me with anxiety and it's it's really cool that they were able to take noises and tones and mm-hmm. put that in me yeah. you know yeah and I mean that speaks to why I love radio in the first place it's because it makes you feel things and you're like oh <laughs> I don't even know how I feel about this yeah uh, but but specifically what what I'd like to know because I have mine kind of in mind like what songs did you like are there any songs that like popped out to you like man this is a good song I I think Burn the Witch is incredible great opener the way that like it's it's like these strings mixed with like drums that are giving these super staccato rhythmic mm-hmm. intro. And it, there's not a single song on the rest of the album that sounds like that. And that song's almost kind of misleading to mm-hmm. what the album is. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's daydreaming. Daydreaming is, is right after. Yeah, I think that two. one's great. Full stop. Totally uh, blew me away. Yeah. Um, and then there was one Tinker Taylor soldier, rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, which is like the longest song name of all time. I just, I love imagining like them kind of playing around with ideas for the name of that song. And Tom York being like, no, fuck you. Yeah. It's gotta be Tinker Taylor, soldier, sailor, rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it has to be that. <laughs> Those are the ones that stood out most for me. Uh, I think I kind of liked glass eyes a bit, but I, I, like I said, only listened to it once. Cool. Um, but what really, what really just 
sticks out to me is that you get those really just massive digital like bass lines, but then like right under it are almost like these tiny bells and like clicks and I think, snaps. I think there's a lot of bells and yeah, little snaps and twicks, which that's, that's kind of a Radiohead motif, they are. you know? And, and that, I think that's like a big sort of Tom York and Johnny Greenwood kind of, they like doing that. It, it just um, felt like you had these big, almost like, blossoms of of music mm-hmm. that in in each song it was like one would open up and you would be looking at it over here and then another one would open up and layer right on top of it and then you would look over there and they just kept going layering on top of each other and you can never really tell exactly where one part of the song would drop off and the other had come it was just like this perfect yeah. fluid thing and like some songs bled into the next other songs would just stop, stop. before the next mm-hmm. and do you know how long the album was? I think it was closer to like 52, 53 awesome. minutes. That's cool. It was a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, just the sheer length of a lot of the songs are longer. You got yeah. a lot more like four to six minute songs, which I think a lot of Radiohead fans are really craving. You know, I mean, uh, with like King of Limbs and and uh, in Rainbows, they were sort of, they, they really had nailed down. Like we want a 45 minute you know, set and we yeah. want, we want our songs to be a little bit more concise, but with this one, you're getting a little bit more meatiness. You're getting some longer songs. Full the, stop is like six minutes. Yeah. And like that song changes so much. Yeah. Like the last two minutes, almost, I, I actually checked my iPod because I thought it was a different song, you know, yeah. and it's, it's kind of cool. That was one of those ones that put angst in me. I mean, especially just like they spend a minute and 45 seconds building that song up with just that. So they're like, they're slowly building it up this whole time, and you're thinking that like it's gonna kind of get to this big like, like crescendo like, kind of yeah. thing, yeah, where like this big thing is gonna happen. But then what happens is just Tom York's like, "You really messed up everything," which like those words are cool, yeah. but it's so it's just so interesting how they are they're off put they're they're contrasting the amount of sound and the wall of sound that you're saying with the sort of delicacy and vulnerability of Tom York's voice. Yes. Because like, I I mean, he just doesn't, he's not, again, he's not like singing out really hard and really loud. I mean, he's, he's just, he's sort of just kind of floating and using falsetto on a lot of his stuff. Yeah. I don't know if it's them necessarily trying to highlight like the traits of his voice. If it's more just like how his voice complements this album, because I do feel like there's so much happening from the instrumentation that the only thing Tom York's voice could possibly do was just supplementally add to it. And Mm -hmm. I've always thought that Radiohead did a great, does a great job at using his vocals less as like the cornerstone of a song and more of just like a part of the composition. Yeah. And I think that is just perfectly on display here, you know, Mm -hmm. and I always really like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, without getting lost in the weeds, just give me your, overall impressions because you know you you text me like dude i'm i'm into this album like it's upon us obviously you and i are going to be listening to it for probably a few months you know we're going to be listening to it for years for years yeah Yeah. right so (laughs) as of right now in the stage of of where you're at with it i mean you you just want to give a few concise words about how you feel yeah yeah okay i want to i want to go ahead and put on record what are like my favorite songs that i feel like define this album uh dark or dex dark yeah is for me like when I when I listen to the album Burn the Witch was a great opener and then you have Daydreaming which is kind of light and floaty but it's almost just Tom and like a little bit of bells in the background 
But then Dex Dark is the first one where you're like, I can imagine everyone in the band doing like what they're playing to this. You know, right. It's like the full, full on Radiohead new sound. Yeah. And uh, there is a lot of ghostliness that comes with some of like the some of the falsetto um, singing in the background. But then there's also like some guitar-y stuff. So Dex Dark, I think, is a great uh, a great one to pin down on this one. It's like a great Radiohead song on this album. Full stop. I think everyone has noted that full stop. No one, no one that I've talked to about this Radiohead album has not mentioned full stop. Yeah. And um, so, so that's also a great one. I think that kind of, for me, it, it almost kind of is a combination of like feral and myxomatosis, where hmm. you have you have a lot of this sort of like uh, free form feel to it, but then it's also it's also yeah, it's got a cool driving. There's mode. still some structure. Yeah, a cool driving mode to it. And then also, for me, the, the, the song that actually stuck out the most to me, which Blake, who is also a super massive Radiohead fan, this was the first one that he said, and it would be my number one, is Present Tense, which is, hmm. I think, song number nine on the album. Yeah. And it has kind of like a Latin feel with like an acoustic guitar at the beginning. And yes, that just song like a, was so cool. Just like a little scratchiness. I love that guitar noodling, man. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And I think I, I think that that song was the most sort of impressive, the most impressive song for me. It was the one that sort of summed up everything that I think about Radiohead in one song. And uh, but but on the whole, just taking the album as it is, it was a lot more. I, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more of like the band feel. Yep. And, and I think that's something that's been sort of ached for almost even since like OK Computer. Um, I would say they maybe in Rainbows for me. I always felt like that was a good. They came back with it with yeah. that one. Um, and there are there are shining moments on King of Limbs where they have that too. But, but I feel you because I feel like I, I'm okay with them doing their sort of more like I don't want I, not to sound pretentious, but like avant garde type of songwriting right. where right. it's just like it's not really like anything you've heard. But mm-hmm. you almost you want that one song that's like this is our. Um, it, it's something that's even a little more poppy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. sing along with us and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, you don't really find that here. I feel like Burn the Witch and maybe Identicate are the closest you get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Identicate is Identicate is another one I really like, but I, I feel like that's one that Tom has been noodling around with on his own a lot as well. See, what I like about this is like I never... Kind of like how we said, we're not obsessed with their catalog outside of the band. <laughs> Since that was the song that they always played like live and stuff, yeah. I had never really heard it. Mm-hmm. And now that it's on the album, like, oh, it's a real song now. Yeah, and yeah, I can yeah. listen to it, you know? <laughs> but well, what I found myself wondering is something specific like, what is Ed O'Brien doing on the majority of these songs? Mm-hmm. You know, the rhythm guitarist, the guy who actually in a lot of the other albums, like he contributes some pretty cool stuff. I'm like, what is he doing on this song? Where is Phil Selway on half of these on on half of this stuff? It, it's it, it almost just seemed like a collab collab between Tom York and Johnny, which those are in my opinion the biggest spearheads of the band. Which is awesome that it was basically filtered around their efforts. But yeah, I guess I I kind of wish there was a little bit more of the bandiness. Sure, because there is those other musicians are great, and yeah. like there is sort of a lot of parts where I'm like. I think Colin could be doing something cooler with the bass line here. And I think Phil Selway could be like mixing it up on the drums here, but it was a little bit more straightforward. Well, that being good. I like that you kind of have those caveats. I want to, you know? I want to critique it a bit. Definitely. Uh, and you should be able to critique your favorite things. Mm-hmm. Internet. So, <laughs> so, but I mean, with those things being stated, 
uh, it, it's going to be one that will sit in my earbuds a lot. Yeah. I've already, I, I think every song has like a shining moment. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm not going to go into each of them, but I think every song has parts where I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, this is going to be the thing that I'm singing to myself for the rest of the day. And um, I, <laughs> I'm not going to like give it a grade or anything. No, no, you don't have to. I, I, don't, I don't think I can. I mean, your, your concise summary, that's like four minutes. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's the name of the game. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I, I really like it. I really like most of, almost every single song. So. Great. Well, I do as well, and I can't wait to keep listening to it. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and check the mailbag. Okay. Do you? Uh, do we have anything in the mail? Well, Hunter, you told me that you had put out feelers to several people, yeah. you know, about emailing in. You seem pretty confident that we're gonna have. No, I, I'm not now. You're not now. Yeah, it's because we don't have mail. I was trying to string you along. We've got no emails. Not that we're surprised. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Look, no. wittybantershow at gmail.com. Send us an email if you would like. We'll, you know, ask us a question. I'm still not as worried about it because, like I said, you know, we're going to be soliciting mail in a lot of different channels here pretty soon. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it will make the show better if you write an email in and we will answer any questions you have. And that is wittybantershow at gmail.com. So we'd appreciate that if you have anything you'd like to ask us. Absolutely. If not, I'm going to start forging emails. Yeah. I'm oh, this start. is weird. Dunter Horset <laughs> asks a question. <laughs> oh, horset, man. That's that's rough. That doesn't feel good. Yeah. All right, Hunter, let's go ahead and put a final number and get our thoughts on this beer. Okay. I want you to go first. Yeah. You went first last time. Granted, I should go first. <laughs> All right. That's how it works. So I don't really think there's a whole lot more left to be said. Um, you get you get your green tea in the, the back end of it. It's a solid pale ale. It's a lot more of sort of just like uh, it, it, it's not as a tasty like you know crazy flavors and stuff as we may might have thought being that it was so heavily um rooted in this whole it's gonna taste like wasabi and green tea mm -hmm. we don't get much of the wasabi um it's a six percent al alcohol by volume so i'm not really getting a whole lot of worth noting regarding like the the body or the feel of the alcohol with it i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty what you'd expect with a 6% ABV. I like the beer. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't jump out to me as something that I would, I think it would be a cool one to be like, hey, try this beer to somebody that does like craft beer and maybe is looking for something with a little bit different taste, but it doesn't, it's not like a super high quality beer that I really enjoy mm. uh, on my, on my own, I guess. With that being said, I'm going to give it a 6.5. You know what? I'm also going to give it a 6.5. That was going to be my score exactly. Great. So here's why for me. I think it, I think it's a standard pale ale. You know, I think it smells sweet and malty. It smells good. You know, it, it does. Mm. And the, the, the taste, like, it's not... I actually do enjoy that it's not very hoppy. You know, I'm, I've mm -hmm. kind of been growing away, going away from liking really hoppy beers. Okay. Um, I don't You're at that level of sophistication. I'm so awesome that I don't even like hops. <laughs> Only green tea and wasabi for me. I don't get hard, I don't get wasabi. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't. I don't either. taste it at all. And as far as like green tea, like I I am getting something in the uh, very end in the aftertaste that's kind of bright, and I guess that's the green tea. But I, I, I drink tea kind of often, and it doesn't taste like tea to me. 
kind of yeah. like I don't know. It's okay. there's something there that's different, and it mm-hmm. has to be has to be the tea. But it's not like oh, this tastes like it was steeped in tea. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. I do think it's it's got like a softness to it, like in the mouthfeel, like there is. It's not like complex, but it's maybe nuanced is the right word. Okay. So it's got some good characteristics about it. It's just not very impressive. You know, it's it's straightforward. I think it's palatable. I, I could recommend this to a, someone who wanted a beer. I'd say like, hey, well, try this one. It's just, it's a pale ale and it's a little different. You know, that's yeah, kind of yeah, your JPA. Ex- your JPA. I like that. <laughs> so yeah, 6.5 for me as well. Cool. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Well, that's all of the show that we have today. That's been episode number 59. We're almost to 60. Nice. We're almost, f- we almost got two full months every day. A witty banner in your earbuds. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So let's go ahead and uh, tell them where you can find us. Witty Banter is on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter. Hit subscribe. All of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free. If you don't have iTunes, that's okay because you can download our, our episodes from our website, which is wittybantershow.com. And we're also on Google Play now. So okay. you can go to Google Play and find Witty Banter there, which is pretty cool. Um, we're going to get a list together of all of the places you can get witty banter because we're, we're trying to put the feed out to multiple um, channels and stuff. Okay. I just need to do that at some point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, witty banter show.com. You can also suggest a beer from our website and you can also send us an email from our website. Very cool new features. Yeah. So go to witty banter show.com um, and you'll, you'll see us there. But Hunter and I are also on Twitter. We are, I'm at, Hunt, oh my God, I am <laughs> at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. You can talk to us there as well. Um, but other than that, Hunter, you got anything else you want to add? Radiohead is my, the love of my life, guys. Yay. <laughs> Let's go listen to it and kiss. <laughs> In a hammock. All right, goodbye, everybody. Biddle, bip, boop. Boop, 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 boop.